Hello, this is the World Economic News by Coldwater Economics for Friday the 11th of September. Let's talk about China. I've previously taken the view that China's July results and its August PMIs show an economy that having initially rebounded from the pandemic has slightly lost momentum. And it's in that context that we get to look at China's August money and financing numbers. The numbers. China's narrow money gauge, M1, rose 8%. That was up from 6.9% in July, but the monthly gain was closely in line with the usual historic trends. Growth in M2, however, slowed to 10.4% year-on-year, and the monthly movement was 0.2 standard deviations below trend. What's happening here is that the growth in M1, cash and checking accounts really, accounted for 89% of the growth in M2. The monthly growth in quasi-money, meanwhile, was negligible. Nevertheless, we're told that bank deposits rose by 1.93 trillion, or by 10.3% year-on-year, while loans rose only 1.28 trillion, or 13% year-on-year, with the monthly movement almost exactly in line with historic seasonal trends. So there was a 650 billion net inflow of deposits for the month, leaving the 12-month net inflow at around 240 billion. Money isn't flooding into China's banking system, but it's not crashing out either. The idea of subdued activity and a slight loss of momentum finds support from these numbers. So it would seem a picture of monetary stability and policy restraint. But it's not the end of the story because we've also got the larger, broader aggregate financing total to consider, and that but rose by 3.58 trillion, which is a significant reacceleration from the slowdown seen in July. And if we look at it closer, the more we see a divergence between genuine banking restraint and a push to accelerate other types of financing. First, Although the aggregate financing total uh, new RMB lending came to 1.42 trillion, you've got two other types of bank lending, entrusted loans and trust loans, uh, to consider, and they contracted by 42 billion and 32 billion, respectively. So the overall uh, broad lending number comes down to 1.35 trillion. And outside the banking system, you have some action 363 billion raised in corporate bonds. 144 billion in bankers' acceptances, which is essentially lending for working capital, and 128 billion in equity financing. But much more importantly, the 1.35 trillion in new bank lending is actually smaller than the 1.38 trillion raised in government bonds. That 1.38 trillion is, I think, a monthly record for government issuance. And it means the government's bond debt stock is up 15.3% year-on-year at a time when nominal GDP is running at about 3.5% on a 12-month basis. Let's be clear, that means that in August, government spending financed by debt is now a bigger stimulus to China's economy than bank lending itself can muster. To give you some idea of how big a deal that is, last year, the average amount raised by government bonds in China was 393 billion a month. In August 2019, it was 506 billion. This time, 1.38 trillion. So when you're raising 1.38 trillion, it's a big leap. In the first eight months of the year, 
China's government issued 5.72 trillion in bonds compared with 3.6 trillion in the same period last year. The problem, as always, is that China's government simply does not raise enough in taxes to finance its responsibilities and its ambitions. In the 12 months to June, China's total government revenues came to just 17.8% of GDP. 17.8% of GDP. And the fiscal deficit reached 5.3% of GDP. Now that's a 12-month number. So you can imagine that it will continue deteriorating throughout the rest of this year. So it's not entirely surprising that government bond issuance is soaring. After all, if the banking system isn't going to provide the extra oomph the economy needs, the government will have to. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. I hope you got something out of it. If you did, it would be a kindness to yourself and to myself and to other people to let them know about this bulletin. And if you'd like to know more about cold water economics, please feel free to contact me, Michael Taylor, on mjtcoldwater at fastmail.com. Thank you.